0: let me just say how wonderful it is to see so many with us this morning we are able to see some faces that we have not seen in a long time and we praise god for that and we praise god for your presence we're also very grateful for the visitors that are amongst us today you are our honored guests it is our privilege to have you with us we are so grateful you are here and so let me encourage you that if you hear something during this lesson that you say I didn't know that. Or are, are you sure about that? Please do not hesitate to ask. I will not be the least bit offended. In fact, I will be overjoyed if you have a Bible question. As will any of the rest of the members of the church. Amen, church? So if you hear anything, uh, take notes, listen. Please turn in your Bibles to these passages because God is always right. The preacher is not, but God is. So make sure that the preacher is preaching what God said. If you have any questions, again, please let us know. As we begin the New Testament, in chapter 1 of Matthew, it had been about roughly 400 years since God's people had heard so much as a prophetic peep out of Almighty God. Decades had come and gone. Generations of families had been born, lived, and passed away. 400 years, a long time. Families had been founded, flourished, and then faded into the dusty pages of Israelite history. Entire centuries had come and gone. They had surfaced, been spent, and sped by. All in utter silence, as far as another word of prophecy. From the great god of the universe between the last words of malachi and the first words of matthew chapter one up until that is god god came along and suddenly sent his angel to proclaim that it was the time of the fulfillment of all of those prophetic prophecies of the old testament the time had come So in Matthew chapter one, we read about how an angel came to Joseph in a dream and talked about how Mary would give birth to the Christ child, Emmanuel, God with us, God with us. Just that phrase alone almost sends shivers up my spine, God with us. And so God was announcing it was indeed time. In Luke chapter one, verses 26 through 35, this angel Gabriel came to Mary and told her how this son, Jesus, that she would have would be the promised Messiah and how he would be born to establish and to reign over this kingdom, this earthly kingdom or church that would have no end. This would be the kingdom that is prophesied in Daniel chapter 2 that would be established during the days of the Roman Empire, which Jesus was born during those days and, and established his kingdom, his church forevermore. Jesus first recorded words after his baptism in matthew 3 had to do with that very kingdom in matthew 4 and verse 17 where he said repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand meaning it was right there coming right up imminent and in matthew chapter 5 which i asked you to turn to earlier we have jesus first recorded sermon now we have a saying in our culture first things first Right? You're going to have this limited amount of time to tell somebody, you're going to do first things first. You're going to get the most important thing right out there. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4, that he delivered to them as of first importance the gospel by which they are saved. Get that right out there. So, here's the question. If you haven't heard from God as a nation for 400 years, he sends his son, son grows up, gets ready to preach the first recorded sermon we have. What's he going to do? First things first, he's going to put the most important thing right out there. You want to know about this kingdom and and what this kingdom life is going to be all about, this this life in in the Lord's church, then we would look at his first recorded sermon in Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12, where it says, And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth, and he taught them. Okay, here it is. God's ready. 400 years of... Now he's going to open his mouth, and he's going to hit them with the most important thing. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He's he's talking about the kingdom already. Blessed are those poor in spirit, that is, those who are humble or bankrupt in spirit. Verse 4, blessed are those who mourn, that is, those who mourn over their sins and the sinful state of mankind. He said, for it's those people that will be comforted. Verse 5. Blessed are the meek. He's not talking about the weak. He's talking about those who will humble themselves again. Meek means power under control, like a broken stallion. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. He said, You are blessed if you want God's righteousness. If you're hungering and thirsting, and that is what's most important to you, guess what? God's going to fill you. He goes on to say, Blessed are the merciful. For it is they who shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. This is what the the New Testament and the kingdom is all about, is seeing God. We want to be able to to leave this life and to see God. and And we want to see God's attributes in this life. And he says, blessed are the pure in heart. That's what's going to happen to them. Blessed are the peacemakers. For they should be called sons of God. They'll be called sons of God because they'll be like God, because God is a peacemaker. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. When you are living for God and you are living right, sometimes you're going to be persecuted for that. Sometimes people are not going to like it. But he said, you know what? Blessed are those who are persecuted for that reason, for that's that's who the kingdom belongs to. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. he had got this whole list of incredible blessed are, what we call the Beatitudes. Now, for those who are members here and, and have been here since I got here, you know at the beginning of, of my being here, we did a very lengthy and in-depth Bible study on these Beatitudes, and we learned in that study that the word blessed, as it's used here in in all of these verses, the word blessed is from a Greek word makarios, M-A-K-A-R-I-O-S, makarios. And that word has this idea with it. When, When you think of blessed, what does it mean to be blessed or blessed? This word could just as easily be translated happy. Contented. But it's not that, that, that surface, fleeting, frivolous, momentary, silly sort of happiness that, that today, you know, somebody's happy one moment, and in the next moment they're miserable, and the next moment they're happy, and the next moment they're miserable, and something good happens, they're happy. It's not that. It's not that. That's not what Jesus is talking about at all. This Greek word makarios, translated blessed, means a confident, contented, fearless, safe and secure, peace and happiness. That's what it means. Blessed, it contains all of those. It's this long-lasting, contented, peaceful, fearless happiness, This, this, this joy that doesn't end. That's what the word blessed means in the Greek, this makarios. It is the kind of peace and happiness that only God can provide, and that the circumstances of this world cannot take away. And so we call those, beatitudes right even i mean everybody's heard of the beatitudes well here's the question for this morning the word makarios same word for blessed also occurs in what some have referred to as the seven beatitudes of the revelation did you know that while we commonly refer to the Beatitudes in Matthew 5, there are what some have called the seven Beatitudes, or the Blessed Be, the Makarios Be, of the Revelation. Did you know that? Want to take a look at those this morning because we're not as familiar with those. First thing I want for us to understand is that the book of Revelation was written to Christians that were suffering the most horrible, terrible, awful, horrific, I mean, just quickly, I mean, I know sometimes we think our lives are a mess and we're persecuted. Brethren, no disrespect to anybody, but we don't know what persecution is compared to theirs. These were people that when they were meeting to worship on Sunday morning, the authorities could come in, drag them away, and literally Nero would would light these people on fire and burn them alive in his gardens. These were people that were tied in animal skins and thrown into the arena so the lions would tear them apart, all because they were Christians. This is the type of persecution that the people to whom Revelation was written were currently undergoing. Their, their circumstances were horrible. They were awful. They were terrible. The worst imagine, right out of a horror movie, simply because they were Christians. So you know what the book of Revelation is? Under those circumstances, the book of Revelation is God telling his people, you've got a hope. And even in the midst of the worst things that can happen to you you can have this confident happy hope contented joy because I am God and you belong to me and I will take care of you if you lose your earthly life you're just coming home with me that that's kind of the 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 whole story of Revelation in a nutshell God the great God of the universe wanted his faithful but suffering saints to have hope and comfort and blessedness in their lives, despite that mess. Is that, a, is that something we can learn from today? Everybody's life's perfect, right? That's why i here this morning to celebrate, because your life is flawless, right? Not a chance, not on this old world. Some of us struggle with a lot of things, and so I want to share this morning the seven beatitudes of the Revelation. I want you to understand That God said you can still be blessed in the sense of of contented and at peace and, and happy no matter what you're going. If they could, we certainly can. And so, as we talked about last Sunday morning, I want you to consider first off the condition of the prisoners on the island of Patmos. John the Apostle was on the island of Patmos, Revelation 1 and verse 9, when he received this revelation, this revealing from God. I want you to understand that part of being exiled and he was exiled because he was true to God's Word part of the exile part of this imprisonment of being on the island of, of Patmos was first off it was just a thing that was going to happen if you were put there as a prisoner you were going to be scourged first we all understand scourging Jesus underwent scourging it was marked by continually being in chains scanty clothing Insufficient food, sleeping on the bare ground, a dark prison, and work under the lash of military overseers. Could it get much worse than that? You're in shackles. All I think of, for me, all I think of is like Alcatraz, this stony island, you know, as it used to be used as a prison. This was a prison island. Little to no food, guards with whips, sleeping on that cold rock. Think about that. Think about where John was when God came to him with this message. Brother David Roper in the March 1999 Truth For Today publication that's edited by our brother Eddie clower In his notes on Revelation 1.10, David Roper described in his mind what, what it must have been for the Apostle John one Sunday morning and the scripture doesn't say this but but again in brother roper's mind he said i can picture the apostle john as as he's struggling and suffering what he must have been going through that lord's day when he received the revelation and this is the picture in his mind check this out and if we think that we're isolated or alone sometimes at home because of this covid thing with the live stream consider this aloneness brother roper wrote Here is how I picture it in my mind. John rose early on the first day of the week as he had for the last 60 years. By the time the sun rose, he was already seated on a rocky ledge, looking across the blue waters to the east, looking across toward Ephesus. Spray hit his face as the waves relentlessly pounded the rocks below. But John's thoughts were far across the sea where his brethren were gathering for worship. The church in Ephesus had been John's home congregation for more than 20 years, and he knew the brethren there as well as the surrounding congregations. Tears probably came to his eyes as he envisioned the faces of those he loved. He could see them praying, breaking bread, and singing. And there on his lonely perch, he may have even lifted his own voice, old and cracked but filled with emotion he has made us to be a kingdom priest to his god and father to him be the glory and dominion forever revelation 1:6. maybe john was singing some of these things and i can kind of picture this old man in his 90s sitting there with tears in his eyes because he can't be in worship with the saints suddenly the earth seemed to sink away under his feet the horizon receded john's soul seemed to be liberated From the shackles of time and space he was out of contact with the physical world around him he was in the spirit he saw but not with physical eyes he heard but not with physical ears he was in direct contact with the savior and that's one man's opinion of how it may have occurred but whether that's it or not if you go home and read revelation 1 you're going to see that john was indeed in the spirit on the lord's day and and all of a sudden there came this revealing from God the point that we do know that you do have to take from this is this John was suffering mightily and God did not want his faithful servant to be without hope does that speak to us God came to his faithful servant and met him where he was at and gave him these seven blessed bees that I want to share with you this morning the first one is in Revelation chapter one. Please turn there. John, of course, would write down this revealing or this revelation later. Many believe after he was released from Patmos, obviously they didn't set him up you know, with a PC so he could write it you know, on the island, okay? But after John's release, Secular history tells us that John wrote the Revelation and he wrote what he saw, but but look at the very beginning of this. He says in Revelation 1, verses 1 through 3, it says, The revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place. One quick thing, a lot of people today believe that Revelation hasn't been fulfilled, but the very first verse says these things were to shortly take place in, in John's life in the first century. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant, John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ to all things that he saw. Here it comes. Blessed, makarios, happy, contented, peaceful, long-lastingly overjoyed. That's what that word blessed means, makarios. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. You know what God's saying? Hang in there just a little longer, John. I got this. I'm gonna take care of this for you. Hang in there, the time is near. It's right around the corner, John. I'm gonna take the Roman Empire down. Domitian is not gonna have the last word. The events set in motion by Nero are not gonna be the end of it. Rome is not gonna last, but my people are. Hang in there, John. Blessed are those who read this book and they understand But you know, the book of Revelation still applies to us today by extension because, let me ask you a question. Does the scripture say our lives are but a vapor? It does, right? Our time is getting nearer every day, isn't it? Every day that goes by, we're one day closer to our time on earth being up. So we can take the comfort and encouragement even though Domitian is not reigning, even though the Roman Empire is not reigning, the fact is that by extension we can apply this message to us because our time is nearer than when we first believed and the Bible explains that as well. But here's the thing. despite the foes and the fears and the frailties and the calamities that we face and the closer that we get to going home, and we all know our health declines as we get older, bottom line is this, as our end gets closer, blessed we can be too. We can still have that calm, confident assurance. Because of who our God is. Isn't that awesome? That's our God. And it's this message he just wants us to understand. Like he wanted them to understand. We can still have joy and peace and comfort and contentedness and security and lasting happiness. Our makarios, our blessedness. But it can only be found and it can only be increased. By our God. By reading and heeding and taking to heart and trusting and obeying what God said. That's it. Now, if John had taken this message and said, okay, great message, but I got better things to do, wouldn't have done him any good. If John had taken this message and said, well, you know, I I don't really care, you know, I kind of got my life to live and I'm doing my own thing, it wouldn't have done him any good. The only way that our blessedness, verse 3, Revelation 1, can continue to increase, the only way we can have that confident assurance, assurance and happiness and peace is by hearing the words. In the book of God and keeping the things that are written in it that's the only way he said blessed or happy or makarios are those people that's a message the Apostle Paul would also put in Romans chapter 15 verses 4 and 13 the words of David also agree with this and it ought to because all scripture is given by inspiration of God God was behind every word in the Bible David wrote in Psalm 119 verses 49 and 50 the following He wrote, remember the word to your servant, upon which you have caused me to hope. This is my comfort in my affliction, for your word has given me life. David said, my comfort in my affliction, in my problems, in my frustration, in all I'm going through. He said, my my comfort, God, in all of it, is the life I get from the word of God. Again, Psalm 119, verses 49 and 50. David adds in verse 92 of Psalm 119, that same psalm, listen to this, he wrote, unless your law had been my delight, delight, what do you think of when you think of delight? You know what I think of when I think of the word delight? I think of a good cold ice cream on a hot August Oklahoma day. Dairy delight, you know, just cool, refreshing, nice. David said, unless your law had been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. David said, the only thing that kept me from being overwhelmed and overcome by my affliction, whatever your affliction may be, David had his as well. He said, the only thing that that, that kept that from consuming me, I delighted in your law. Nobody had to push, I'll tell you what, maybe you can tell by my tummy, but on a hot August day, nobody has to drag me to the Dairy Queen, okay? It's a delight. And when we are in our affliction, if we want delight, we want this makarios, happiness, this blessedness. It is found only in God's word, the law of God. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the prof- words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it, Revelation 1, 3. The second beatitude of the revelation, the second Macarios occurrence we would notice is in Revelation 14, verses 12 and 13. I love this text. I often quote this text when I, when I do a memorial service for somebody who's, who's, who's left this, lo- this earth as a Christian. I love this. Listen to this. Revelation 14, 12 and 13. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments, same thing we've heard before, who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Please notice. He's talking about those who keep God's commandments, which they can't keep if they don't know, and they don't know if they don't read and study God's word, and of the faith of Jesus, not faith of somebody else, not different faiths, but the one faith of Jesus that we see in the scriptures. Then I heard a voice from heaven say to me, right, blessed, makarios, happy, confident, at peace, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Doesn't say who die. It says, blessed are those. These people have this calm, confident, comforting assurance, this peace that the world can't take away. They have this blessedness. Are those who die in the Lord. Well, who's he talking about? He's talking about those who are in Christ. John wrote about this at length, in First John five ten through thirteen, same author. He talked. I'm not going to turn there, but but he he talked about this with them, brethren, visitors, friends, family. Blessed are those who die in the Lord. How do we get into the Lord? The Bible's very clear. There's only two places in the entire New Testament where the words into Christ occur. We've got to be in Christ. There's only two places that that occurs. Galatians 3:26 and 7 and Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. We must be baptized into Christ. In order to be in Christ, In the lord to die in the lord we have to get into the lord we have to get into his body we have to have our sins cleansed and be made holy as we obey his commandment to be baptized for the forgiveness of our sins and he said blessed are those people who die in that state through hearing and obeying the word of god when it comes to how to receive salvation we are saved by his grace through our faith that's what it means in ephesians 2. Nobody's going to heaven except by the grace of God. That's it. But God extends his grace to us in Christ, and it is up to us by faith, by trusting what God said in his word to obey his commandment to accept that grace. We are saved by his grace through our faith when we respond the way he said to. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, and other places. And once we are saved, that way, because that's the only way to be saved, according to the word of God, we are saved for a specific purpose, for doing good works and serving to expand his kingdom. Titus 2, through 14. So I think we can safely say based on this text that it is only those who choose to continue, to continue to pour themselves into doing good works and serving to expand the kingdom at every opportunity. It is only those people who will experience this level of blessedness or contentedness, this confidence, this makarios happiness. As Jesus said, quoted in Acts 20 and verse 35, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And Christians are to live a blessed, blessed are those, it is more blessed to give than to receive, we are to live a life of blessing. And we do that by giving of ourselves to others the way our Lord and Savior did. The third of these that I would have us turn to is in Revelation chapter 16. In verse 15, notice what it says here. Love to hear those Bibles turn. Revelation 16, verse 15, Jesus said, Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments lest he walk naked and they see his shame The Bible tells us in several other texts that Jesus said he would come as a thief in the night What does that mean? Well, if you know a thief is coming to your house And you know what time he's coming You're probably gonna be prepared for him. You're gonna have the cops there or something, right? Jesus said, I'm coming like a thief in the night. In other words, you're not going to know when I'm coming. Let me tell you something, brethren. It was Easter Sunday a number of years ago, and I was preaching at the former congregation that I came from. It was Easter Sunday. I believe it was Easter Sunday. Let me put it that way. I know it was a holiday. And there was this lady that came in down back and gave me a hug the way she always did. This was pre COVID. And uh, she got her bulletin sat in her seat, sat through Bible study, she'd sit back there, she's one of those, she's one of those good brethren that when she agreed with, the, with something the preacher was saying, she'd sit, you knew. I mean, and if she disagreed, you also knew, okay? She sat there, she went out afterward, just as healthy as any of us. That night by midnight, she was dead. Could happen to any one of us at any time. And so Jesus comes as a thief in the night. We don't know when our time is coming. But even not knowing when our time is coming, it may be today, it may be 50 years from today. Who knows? I don't know. God knows. I don't know. But that's the idea of coming as a thief in the night. We read about this in 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 through 10, and 2 Peter 3, 10 through 13. John had even written about this in Revelation earlier on. In Revelation 3, verses 3 and 4, when he he wrote to our brethren of the first century congregation of the Church of Christ in Sardis, the following, he wrote, Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you'll not know what hour I come upon you. You have a few names even in Sardis who have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He said... You need to to be ready. Remember, speaking of Revelation chapter 16 and verse 15, I remember Karen and I some years ago were staying in a motel overnight. And it was around, I guess, midnight. All of a sudden, the fire alarms went off and people are hurrying and scurrying down the hallways thinking the hotel was burning And let me tell you what, some of those people were not prepared for an alarm to ring at midnight in the hotel, they just weren't. Jesus said, I'm coming like that. You're not gonna expect it, you're not gonna know when, so just be ready all the time. And, and, and verse 15 of, of Revelation 16, He said blessed is the one who is ready who does watch who does keep watching who's expecting me to come at any time blessed is that one who watches and keeps his garments blessed is that one the next one that i would have us notice is in revelation chapter 19 the next blessed be or occurrence of this word revelation 19 we're going to begin in verse 5 Praise our God, all you his servants and those who fear him, both small and great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a multitude is the sound of many waters and is the sound of mighty thunderclaps, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. is what John is, is seeing in this, this revealing, this vision that he's getting from heaven. He says, Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory. For the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife has made herself ready. And again, is this idea of, of the church being a bride of Christ and being ready at any time. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous act of the saints. Brethren, when we have our, our souls cleansed in the blood of Christ, and we get these white garments, we need to continue to keep them clean. And these are the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, write blessed, makarios, contented, at peace, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb and he said to me, these are the true sayings of God. Once again we see this happiness, this this assurance, this calm confidence of those who have made themselves ready, washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. We would just note here by way of reference that in Matthew chapter 22, verses 1 through 14, it, it talks about this <clears throat> same thing, about this king that, that threw this great feast that somebody got in there and they didn't have on the right marriage clothes and they were cast out. Brethren, when we come before God on Judgment Day, we're going to be clothed one of two ways. One of two ways. I don't care if you're buried in a suit or a t-shirt or a dress or slacks, you're going to be dressed one of two ways when you come before God. You're either going to be dressed in your own righteousness and your sins, which it tells us in Isaiah 64, all of our righteousness is like filthy rags. Or, you're going to be clothed with Christ. You're going to be clothed in that clean, white, flawless linen. You're going to be clothed in Christ. Because... You were baptized into Christ, the way it says we must be in Galatians 3, 26 and 7, for we are all sons of God through faith. For all of us who have been baptized into Christ have clothed ourselves with Christ, or put on Christ, depending on your translation. And so when we have our sins washed away, we're white and we're pure and we're dressed in holiness and our sins don't show. Then we arise to walk in this newness of life this life devoted to God and and we do these righteous acts for God. We don't do righteous acts so we can earn salvation. This is one of the beauties of Christianity. When we have our sins forgiven, the Bible says at that point we're saved. Romans 8 and verse one, there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ. I I don't do good works because I'm trying to earn salvation. I can't do enough good works to earn salvation because one sin separates me from God. You know why I do good works? You know why I do good works? You know, right? I do good work because I'm so grateful to God that He saved me already. I love my wife, And, and, and I don't do nice things for her so that she'll love me. She already loves me, but because she loves me, that is my inspiration to do nice things for her. Because God has already saved me, and He's already cleansed my sins, and He's already made me white in the blood of the Lamb, I'm gonna do everything I can to please him because I am so grateful my sins are gone that's why I do good works and matter of fact Ephesians 2 10 says that we are saved to do good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them blessed are those people blessed are those people who are called to the marriage supper who are part of that bride that church because they have been baptized they have their sins forgiven and they've walked with God The next one we would notice is in Revelation 20 and verse 6. Very first word, here comes Makarios, look out. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Now, we know that the book of Revelation is very symbolic. It's written in apocalyptic language. Yes, I can say that word. But what I want us to see here is blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such, the second death has no power. Now, if we go up to verses 14 and 15, it tells us what the second death is. The second death is when we all stand before God. You can read it in your own Bibles, Revelation 20, verses 14 and 15. The second death is when we come before God and those who are not clothed properly are cast into the lake of fire and brimstone. Those whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life, that's the second death. But he says here in Revelation 20 and verse 6 there are some over whom that second death has no power that 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 time when we stand before God and and the second death is when they're cast away from God and they're cast into that lake of fire he said there's some people that have this this blessing and this knowledge and this confidence and assurance that that's not going to be them that second death has no power over them they don't have to worry about that who are they I want to be there don't you I want to be in that number I don't want to have to worry about that because in my wildest imagination I cannot imagine what hell is going to be like. So how do I avoid that second death? How do I be one of those whom that second death has no power over? Well, here's how, if we're in the first resurrection, see this is the way this works. If I put my old man of sin to death in the waters of Christian baptism, if I am buried with him, put that old man of sin to death, have my sins washed away, then I rise up out of that baptistry to walk in newness of life because that old man of sin has been put to death. That's the first resurrection. I've already died. People say, you're going to die? I've already died, right there. Now, physically, I'm going to die one day. My body's going to cease to function. But, but my spirit's not going to die if I've been faithful to Christ. That's the beauty of being a Christian, right, church? That's what this is all about. So this first resurrection is if I've been resurrected to walk in newness of life. If I have and my sins are washed away, I don't have to worry about Judgment Day going to hell. Ain't that awesome? You want to give me a reason to say? You know why I sing so loud on Sundays? Because I am so grateful that I don't have to worry about that second death, not because I'm a good guy, because I'm not, but because God is so awesome that he took my sins away when he gave his son for me and I, by faith in what that book said, responded to his grace, was baptized, I rose up that first resurrection to walk in newness of life. Now, I'm not flawless and I'm not perfect, but I thank God for his grace and the blood of his son that continually cleanses my sins as I confess them. And I am so blessed. I am blessed because I've had a part in that first resurrection rising up out of that water, Romans 6, 1 through 4. And the second death has no power. Do I have a confident assurance if the doctor says to me tomorrow you've got a week to live? I don't know what, I don't know about the whole, Jesus didn't tell us a whole lot about the process. We can read about little bits and pieces. I don't know what comes after this and how we get from here to there. I really don't. I can read about the rich man and Lazarus and get some idea, but we don't know every detail. But I'll tell you this. You know what that means? That means in a week I'm going home to be with the Lord. Because Jesus' blood is that good. And that's what I'm clothed with. That's why I come on Sunday to sing, blessed. Yeah, I'm blessed. And the thing is, Jesus wants us all to be blessed the same way. That's why he did what he did. I could preach all day on this. I'm getting excited. All right. Move on. <laughs> The sixth one, I believe, is in Revelation 22, 7. I am so grateful to be a Christian. Hmm. Jesus concludes his revealing to John. He said, behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Now, keep in mind. John was suffering persecution under the Roman Empire. The book was written, Revelation 1, 1 through 3, about things that must shortly take place. The book of Revelation was written specifically to address the fact that God was going to take down the Roman Empire that was persecuting the church. That was the purpose of Revelation. Now we can apply its teachings to us today by extension, but it was specifically in its context written to that end. And so, as he began the book saying the time is near, when all of this is going to happen, and I'm going to take down the Roman Empire and all of that, he concludes by saying, I am coming quickly. And in God's time frame, it was not too awfully long thereafter that Rome went down in flames. But he says, blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. And the application for us, brethren, is this. I know what you're going through. I know what I'm going through, but I know what you're going through. But I do know this, I do know that through it all, if I will simply keep God's word, if I will read it, heed it, obey it, if I will hold his hand, if I will listen to what he says, throw off what everybody else says, if I will just get into God's word and do it God's way, this is going to, my struggle is going to come to an end and I'm going to be with God. Isn't that awesome? And that's what this whole book is about, and and, and that's the extension of the wisdom we find here in blessed be, or blessed is, he who keeps the words of this book. Blessed is the one who keeps these words. And we don't have to just rely on revelation for that message. In John chapter 6, and I'm not going to turn there. You can if you want, or take notes, or listen to the live stream later, or however that works. John chapter 6, verses 60 through 69. Jesus has just delivered some teaching that some people didn't understand and they thought I I don't need this I I don't understand. What's this man saying? And they walked away. Remember that church? What did Jesus tell them? He said my words are spirit and they are life You want life you got to stay in the Word of God We would also notice in John 14 21 through 23 also obviously written by John the gospel according to John We have a very similar message there that we need to keep Jesus' word and that he will come and make his abode with us. We need to obey him, no matter what we're going through, and and he'll take care of it. That's, again, revelation. Our final blessed or or beatitude is in Revelation 22, in verse 14. Wow, what a way to wrap this up, blessed, Makarios, happy, contented, faithful, No matter what, at peace, blessed, makarios, are those who do his commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. Isn't that awesome? Doesn't say blessed are those who are perfect. We're only perfect in the eyes of God if we're clothed in the blood of Christ. And, and, and being blessed is not just coming to church and hearing his commandments, but doing his commandments. And that gives us, because of his grace and his goodness and his blood and his forgiveness and his mercy and everything I have in the blood of Christ, because of that, he has given me the right to the tree of life. Do you remember how the Bible begins? Genesis 1, 2, and 3, creation, remember that? Genesis 3, Eve was told not to eat of the fruit. She didn't keep God's commandment, did she? She gave to her husband, he ate. He didn't keep God's commandment either. Let's not just blame Eve, okay? Both of them got kicked out. Adam is the man, should have spoken up and done something about that, but he didn't. Okay, let's just be fair here. But at any rate, when they're kicked out of the garden, why? They're kicked out of the garden because they've sinned and and God doesn't want them to have any right to the tree of life because they've sinned. And here it's restored. We can have that right again, to eat of the tree of life when we have no sin. And brethren, there's only one way to have no sin, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And as to get our sins washed away by God, that's it. That's it. And man, once they are, it is something to celebrate. To celebrate not only on the Lord's day, but to celebrate with a life lived in gratitude. He died for me. We have monuments in this country, we have the Vietnam wall, we have all kinds of monuments, people that have died for our freedom, right? You know what this is? This is a memorial to one who gave his life for us, and some people go to these these memorials of of fallen soldiers they go once a year at christmas or the the person's birthday or whatever we have the privilege every first day of the week to gather around this table to partake of this memorial to remember the one who came and gave his flawless life so that i could have my sins erased and go to heaven now if that ain't something to get excited about check your pulse really truly Blessed, blessed are those who do his commandments that they may have the right to eat of that tree of life. It's interesting, you may have a footnote in your Bible. A footnote in your Bible on verse 14. One text reads, wash their robes. In other words, blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life. And it really doesn't mean anything different. Let me ask you, is washing your robes in the blood of the lamb lamb, keeping his commandments? Well, sure it is so it's talking about same thing and we know that we have to do that in order to be saved Revelation chapter 7 in Revelation chapter 7 we we know we have to do that we know that we have to keep his commandments and and have our robes washed in the blood of the lamb in other words we need our sins washed away by our obedience Revelation 7 look at this vision he saw earlier Revelation seven thirteen. one of the elders answered saying to me who are these arrayed in white robes and where did they come from and I said to him sir You know he said to me. These are the ones who came out of the great tribulation Washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb Talking about that great Persecution that great tribulation that's mentioned other places in the Bible. It has to do with the Roman Empire persecuting the church verse 15 therefore What is the therefore, therefore? The therefore is there because it connects it to what he just said because they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb, therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will dwell among them. They shall neither hunger anymore nor thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them nor any heat for the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of waters and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Don't you want to be in that number? I would die to be in that number. But even dying myself for my own sin wouldn't pay the price I owe, Jesus had to do it for me. And once, once we have done that and been dressed and, and made our robes white in the blood of the lamb, once we have done that, as Joel mentioned in his prayer, we, we need not live in fear ever again of anything but live only in blessedness live in makarios live with this peace and contentment that we've done what god said listen if we do what god said will god do what he said he would for us god is faithful he will not allow us to be tempted above what we are able but with the temptation will provide a way that we may escape it first corinthians 10 and verse 13 god is faithful god will keep his end and the scary part is if we're not clothed in the blood of christ he will also keep his word regarding that question this morning are you Makarios based on the Word of God and not your own opinion or feelings based on the Word of God and the Word of God alone and what it says do you have that confident blessed assurance as we sing that Makarios that 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 peace and security that fulfilled blessed assurance, that lasting happiness according to God's word. Have you heard and obeyed God's word in your life, done what you needed to do to be clothed in the blood of the lamb? Have you had your sins washed away by calling on his name in baptism, Acts 22 and verse 16? Maybe your visitor here this morning said, I've never heard that before. We'd love to sit down and study the word of God with you. I won't tell you my opinion, but I can point you to book, chapter, and verse, and we can talk about those things you may not have heard before. We'd love to do that. Any member of the church would love to do that. But listen, if you want to be blessed in your life, that's a necessity. Have you washed your robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb by being baptized into Christ and clothed yourself with him? And secondly, if you have done that, are you taking advantage of every opportunity you possibly can to fulfill the purpose for which God saved you in the first place? God didn't save you to set the pews. We could put rocks in the pews. No disrespect intended. But God didn't save you to set the pews. God saved you, forgave your sins, sent his son, had your sins forgiven, so that you would rise up to walk in newness of life serving him. Maybe you're somebody here who's been baptized into Christ. You say, you know what? i'm just not the servant i ought to be i need the prayers of the church i need the encouragement of the church i i I just i know i ought to be better and i'm not but i'm not going to just sit here any longer i'm going down front and i'm going to have the church pray for me and i want to be a better servant of god because he paid too much for me to be a malfunctioning christian if you're saying i'm not really all i'd ought to be And true biblical happiness and blessedness is just one decision and a few short steps away. Come down to the front and let us know what you need right now in order to be blessed you as we stand and sing.